0: Yes, happy Mother's Day to all of you ladies. So I get the privilege of um, sharing with us today. And you know, a number of years ago, um, I was asked to share and I was like, "Ah, oh, I haven't got time, I don't know what to prepare, I don't know what to do. And somebody just said to me, do you know what? Jesus uses you in your life where you are. Share from what's happening in your life where you are. And so today, that's what I just wanna do to encourage you. You know, back a few Christmases ago, I was really excited as I was preparing a dessert on the um, 23rd of December, ready for Christmas. And I was making my non-bake Nigella Lawson lemon cheesecake, and I was like all in the kitchen. I was in the zone. I was excited. I was ready to go. And I was just making um, the whatever I was making, the cheesecake. And um, Daniel came in to me, and he said, remember... It's Christmas, isn't it, in two days? I said, yeah. He said, now you will make sure I have a stocking, won't you? I said, yeah, of course I'll make sure I have a, you have a stocking, babe. He said, oh, brilliant. And he said, you will put a clementine in my stocking, won't you? I said, yeah, I'll put a clementine in your stocking. Because you know clementines are the favorite part of my stocking, ma'am. Yeah, that's no problem, babe. I'll put a clementine in your stocking. Then he said, will you put the biggest clementine in my stocking. I said, yeah. I'll put the biggest clementine in your stocking, Daniel. And I'm busy making the cake. And he said, "No, you're sure you'll put the biggest clementine in the stocking? Because that is gonna make me so happy this Christmas." And I was like, "Daniel, I will put the biggest clementine in your stocking, babe." Oh, thanks, ma'am. And off he went. So I finished off making my cheesecake. Was clearing away, and I happened to look at the fruit bowl. And in the fruit bowl was a whole load of clementines and a grapefruit. And so I called Daniel back in and I said, Hey, babe, what Clementine did you want me to put in your stocking? And he pointed with wide eyes and said, That one there, pointing to the grapefruit. And I thought to myself, if I do what he's asking me to do, on Christmas Day, he is going to have the biggest shock of his life as he sticks his gnashes into this grapefruit but it made me begin to think oh how human nature is like that eh? human nature gravitates to what it thinks is the biggest because it thinks that it's going to be the best As a human, we have this ability to gravitate to the flashing lights because we think in the flashing lights and in the big, that's where we're going to seek fulfillment or that's where we're going to find fulfillment. But oftentimes, most cases actually, biggest isn't best. And perhaps you, I know sometimes I've been there where I've chased after what I thought was the biggest only to find, as I tasted and bit into it, it left a really shocking, bitter taste in my mouth. You know, and I'm interested because you look at the way the whole culture is. You look at Western culture and Western culture bombards us with this idea Of the life that we should live. You know, research shows that we're bombarded with between 400 and 600 images every day. And if you're an Instagram user or a Facebook user, I'm sure those images go right up. You know, images every day of the way that we should be, the way we should look. Advertising, billboards, you know, magazines, TV programs. Just constantly filling us with our mind with a certain image in a certain way that our life, we think, needs to play out. Images that the media and our culture tells us that if you look like this, if you acquire that house, if you dress a certain way, if you have your hair a certain colour, if you work in a certain place, if you have a certain degree, then you are going to find a big, fat, rosy life. But do you know what? Our culture feeds us a lie and if we're not careful we end up gravitating to the bigger the better only to find out our lives are in pieces at the end of it. I'd like us to look now at the screens just at um, a media clip that I found on YouTube which is also where I found the YouTube video on how to curl my hair. (laughs) That's another thing. Anyway okay (laughs) the advert you know that we don't may we may not realize but every day there is a message that our culture that our media that our schools present and feed to us a message that as we saw A lady with pale skin coming in, even when she was made up and made to be beautiful with makeup, it still wasn't there. Let's just nip her to um, her neck, elongate her neck, make her eyes look a bit bigger. And you know, Dave has been preaching about it. We've got to be so careful what we let pass through our mind. You know, the Bible encourages us to renew our mind. The Bible encourages us to consider what we allow to travel through our heads because our mind, when we start living in a certain way, we can really take our path down a different course if we are not careful. If we feed off the wrong things. Listen, I don't look like this because I eat carrots. All right? (laughs) When I get asked if I'm pregnant, which I'm not pregnant, I just say, no, I'm not pregnant. I just eat too much chocolate. That is the reality. I'm happy to admit it. This mouth is enjoying chocolate, and I've got about a kilo of chocolate for Mother's Day that I am going to enjoy. But I'm just telling you that you don't end up looking like this on carrot sticks and cucumber. But... If you can take that into any sphere of life, if you want a happy life, do not feed on what the world wants to give you. Hello Magazine, any other magazine, what the TV programs say is not going to lead you on a life that is full of blessing. And what I get so encouraged about is when I read in the Bible, Pastor Ray spoke about it last week, you know, our culture says intelligent, strong, strong, focused driven car material things the house they tell us this is what you need for happiness and it isn't the truth okay pastor ray preached about it last week and he said no it's not the strong it's not the altogether, it's not the one that's got everything in place it's the burnt stone It's the bruised reed. It's the smoldering flax. The Bible encourages us and says, do you know what? If you want to see fulfillment in life, if you want to see a life bursting, then I don't need, he doesn't need strong people. If you are in this place today and you think you need to be strong to be part of Jesus' army, can I just tell you now, no, it completely discredits you actually because Jesus doesn't need our strength to bolster his name. What he does is he takes the people that says, I can't do it. The person that discredits themselves because they think they're not good enough. The person that looks at themselves and says, Jesus, can you do anything with this mess? He looks at that person and he draws them to himself and he says, watch what I can do with you. You only have to look in the Bible. It's so encouraging. It's an encouraging message for us today. You look at the Bible and you think, if you were going to deliver a nation... Who are you going to put in charge? You know, if you asked any corporation, and if you asked a corporation and said, if you want to be on top, who's your leader going to be? I can assure you that CV will be loaded with human ability. But do you know what Jesus does when he wants to deliver a nation? He takes a leader that's killed somebody. He takes a leader that can't even speak properly without stammering him, stammering, and he places him in front of Pharaoh and he says, you are the one that I am going to use to deliver my nation out of captivity. You look at David. When they were about to pick a king for Israel, he didn't even make it into his own family's lineup. Imagine that. That his dad would have every other child in the house ready for when the prophet came. And he'd leave David out because he thought he wasn't going to make the mark. But God takes the person the least likely, the one that's not going to make the mark. And he says, well, let me show you what I can do with somebody when my power is on him. He uses a boy in the backside of the fields and he gets him to deliver a nation, kill Goliath, and become a king. And I want to encourage us today. If you are in here today and you feel my life is not as strong as the next person, don't worry about it. Really, do not worry about it. There's a scripture in Corinthians, one Corinthians, one twenty-seven, and it says, "But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong." And you know, it's not easy. Do you, if I'm honest, I sometimes want my life to look like the show house. Have you ever been into a show house? It gets quite exciting because you walk in and all of a sudden you're kind of shown this life which you think, oh, if mine could look like this. There's no clutter anywhere. They've got a beautiful bunch of flowers that are just beautiful and blooming on the table. Everything has its place. It's all sleek. The bed linen matches the curtains. You know, you're like, oh! And in your mind, you're like, oh, If I could. And you know, sometimes we're like that with our own lives. I'm like that. I think, do you know what? If I want people to follow Jesus, I need to present the show house to them. You know, I kind of sometimes think, oh, if I've got it all together, if I've got everything together, then that's going to be what will draw people to the Jesus that I'm following. But do you know, it's absolutely a load of nonsense my life does not need to be a show house life because actually it's very repelling to most people because it would look as if I was achieving something that I'm definitely not my life is not a show house life I sometimes laugh at myself when I go down to the school to see all the mums at 10 to 9 and they've managed to brush their hair and they've got makeup on and I walk down as if I've just woken up and my hair's every And I've got no makeup on. And sometimes the kids, I haven't even managed to get like their breakfast off their face yet. And I walk down and I'm like, this is my reality. I, I, I don't have the time to do those things. And actually, I'm not bothered. But do you know what I've discovered? I've discovered the times in my life when my weaknesses and vulnerabilities are on display for everybody to see. Those are the times I have found that Jesus will use weakness and use vulnerability to minister to people. So I want to encourage you today. If you feel that your life is flawed with weakness, if you feel that your life is flawed with vulnerability, bring it on. You don't have to hide that. You do not have to hide that at all because there's a scripture in the Bible and it talks about people will come to it and, and it, it says they'd be like taking honey out of the carcass of a lion, a lion, a strong animal, but dead. And yet bees came and pollinated in that, and in that, um, a lion. And what was dead was able to bring sweetness to people as they pass by. And I just want to encourage you today. When I look back over my life, I'm amazed at how God uses the things that I really fail at quite well and he uses them to help people. A number of years ago, and when Daniel was in nursery, I used to drive, I had the three kids then, and I used to drive Daniel to nursery and the car, we'd always go out before we went to nursery. So I'd have packed lunches in the car. I'd have everything in the car. And I'd have changes of clothes, because you never know what's going to happen. And on top of that, I am a messy person. So on top of bringing the kitchen sink in the car with me, I also never cleared out the car either. So my car was filled with things. So I used to go to nursery, drop Daniel off, take the girls home, and put them in for, down for a sleep. And every day, I used to pass this lady with her daughter, walking her to school. And this lady probably walked, I don't know, maybe a mile and a half to get her daughter to school. Didn't know her, but we used to just take the same route. And one day, it was hammering down with rain. Hammering down with rain. I didn't know her because... I actually was quite shy so when I went to nursery I never really spoke to anyone I just kept myself to myself and so I never spoke to anyone it was the drop off get the kids in the car and off I went home and this one day I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me offer this lady a lift And no <laughs> I'm not <laughs> and he said offer this lady a lift and I said I'm not doing it and I was like quite indignant in my head as like, I'm not offering her a lift and that the Holy Spirit, they offer the lady a lift. And in my head, I was like, I am not offering this lady a lift because if she comes in my car, I am gonna be utterly embarrassed because she is gonna see the mess in my car. In fact, there's probably not a seat without stuff on it, which means if I have to offer her a lift, I have to start throwing stuff off the seat to make space for her. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. I am not offering her a lift because I'm not gonna be embarrassed, no. And so I just, I drove away from nursery and I started going down the road, really kind of justifying why it would be wrong for me to offer this lady a lift. And I got to a roundabout. And you know when your heart is just going like this? And I was like, oh, Lord, I know I'm being disobedient, but part of me doesn't care. But then part of me thinks I do care. And I felt convicted. And I was like... Okay, And I drove back round the roundabout and I saw this mum that was just coming out of the school gates, didn't know her name, and I said, oh hi, I noticed that I've passed you a number of times um, on the way to school, it's hammering down with rain today, can I give you a lift home? And she said, yeah. So I stopped my car, and I was so embarrassed. She opened the door, and I had to, like, throw banana skins out, and I had to, like, that, get all the stuff out of the footwell of the car, and I'm going, so sorry, like this, and really embarrassed. Anyway, she sat down in the car, and I took her home. Didn't know where she lived. She showed me where she lived. And we got outside of the car, and I said, Oh, um, my name's Faye, by the way. What's yours? And she said, Oh, I'm Rachel. I said, Rachel you know, follow, um, I pass you every day on the way um, to school. I can't give you a lift to school because my car's full with the kids. But once Daniel's gone, I have got a space in my car. Would you like me to pick you and take you home every day from school? And she said, oh, that would be really lovely. And I said, oh, sorry about the mess in my car. I said, oh, no, I just haven't got it together. Da-da-da-da-da. And she said, oh, don't worry. She said, my life's a bit of a mess as well. And she began in that conversation to explain to me how a few months previous, her and her children had to flee to women's aid because she came went home one day and her husband had just cracked. He'd ripped out the whole kitchen. He'd put a sledgehammer through every electrical appliance there was. He'd painted, thrown buckets of black paint all over the kitchen, he'd gone upstairs into the wardrobes, ripped all of the children's clothes and her clothes from the wardrobe and burnt them in the back garden. And she ran home, Um, not ran home, she ran to women's aid and just didn't know what was happening. And she was still living in this house. And she said, yeah, my life's a bit of a mess. And you know, at that moment, I thought to myself... Would she have opened up to me, if I had turned up in my pristine car, with my life smiling face, and everything looking good? For me, I think people are attracted to strength. But in that moment, I realized, people aren't attracted to strength. They're really not. People wanna see your weaknesses. People want to see your areas of vulnerability. You know, you look at when Jesus, you know, when he was raised from the dead, what was the first thing that he did when he met all of his followers? He showed them his wounds. He showed them the areas, his humanity, of what they had done. And Jesus isn't looking for any one of us to be strong, to be part of his wonderful family. In fact, he loves it when we're weak. And I was just thinking the other day about um, you know, my relationship and how it went on with Rachel. I went home and told Dave you know, just the story of what had happened. And he said, do you know what, Faye? She's a single mum. Arranged to take her to Starbucks every Saturday, um, Wednesday after nursery and take her out for coffee. When does she ever get that? So every Wednesday... I used to take her out for coffee. It was her only time that she got. She didn't drive. She didn't have the money to catch a bus to go into town. And it's not sometimes a lot of fun sitting in Starbucks on your own either. And we used to go out for coffee every day. Then she managed to get a new home. And our connect group had the privilege of painting her daughter's bedrooms, her hallway, helping her sort out her new house when she was beginning to rebuild her life. I remember coming... Yeah. You know, that came from a weak life on display. It didn't come from a strong life. I remember bringing her to the summer ball, and I remember her crying as she sat with us, just overwhelmed by everything. Rachel's not in my life now. I had a season with her. Her children went to a different school than mine. But I think, Lord, you used that time of her life when she was at rock bottom, and you allowed my weakness and my vulnerability to help her on the way. And that's what I said about, you know, drawing honey from the carcass of a lion. You know, the weak and vulnerable things. Those are the things that Jesus needs. He doesn't need your strength. Strength makes you proud. Weakness makes us humble. When you're humble, you have to rely on somebody, don't you? And that's what the Bible says. He says, when you were weak... That's when I'm strong. When we're strong, we think that, you know, we're handing our calling card out, thinking we're a bee's knees. Oh, it must be, like, cringable for God to watch from heaven as, like, his, like, the people he created thinks they're amazing. You know, really, we're fatally flawed. There's just one perfect person that was ever perfect, and that was Jesus. And then from here on in, if he wanted a perfect people, he would have made us perfect, but he doesn't need it okay? He just needs humility and a broken vessel that says, Lord, if you can do something with my life, here it is on the table. You bring that to Jesus and you'll be amazed, absolutely amazed at what he can do with your life. You know, um, thinking about the whole area of weakness, can I encourage you? I know Pastor Ray preached about it last week. Don't let your weakness stop you from serving in the house of God. Okay, if you're in this place today and you say, Oh, Faye, do you know what? I look at the people up on the stage. I see the singers and it looks like their lives are all together. Can I assure you it's not? (laughs) You know, it's not. If you look at anybody serving on the team, if you look at the welcome team when they arrive at 9.30, do not think they've been skipping through daisies all week. Okay? If you look at our youth team and you look at the people serving, they are not the people that have got it all together. They are battling with the same things that you and I are, the same things, and yet they choose to say Jesus in the midst of my weakness you make me strong because I've got to reach people you know that's the whole reason why we're here just to just in case anyone's not sure why we need you to serve we're not asking you to serve so you build a name for yourself okay? We're not asking you to serve so that people then look to you and think you're amazing. We're not ever looking for that. Me, Dave and I aren't here for that. There's only one reason we're here and that is to build the kingdom of God. That's only one thing that God is building in this earth and that's his kingdom. And he chooses to use broken vessels, burned stones, flat, um, wicks in a flax, flaxing or whatever, smoldering wicks. He chooses to use us Not to build a name for ourselves, but to roll up our sleeves and say, if there's anything I can do to advance the kingdom of God, here I am. Count me in. Let's see where we can go. There are 170,000 people in the city of Newport alone. Ten people can do a lot, but I tell you what, a hundred people can do way more okay so if you're in here today and you say Faye I attend church on a Sunday but beyond that I don't do a lot more can I say there's no better place to lay down your life than to lay down your life in the local church and do what Jesus did he laid his life down for us. And what a awesome privilege. In laying down our lives, we gain so much. We really do. So can I encourage you, if you feel disqualified, if you feel your life does not hit the mark, it doesn't stop you from doing anything. Because God doesn't need our lives to hit the mark. His life hit the mark and he is the one that's over us and he sees us through the lens of his life he doesn't look at us through the lens of our lives he only sees perfect children he only sees children that he can use to dispense his grace and love Jesus did all that he could and he accomplished it all when he was on earth and now he hands the baton onto us and he says let's run I'll use your weakness, and I'll use you to confound the wise. The ones that think they've got it all together and handing out their CVs and calling cards, I'm not into it. I want to use you, the one that's in the corner, trembling with your knees knocking because you look at everyone and feel you're insignificant. He says, that's the person that I want to use. So I just want to encourage you with that. And I just want to encourage you as well that as we are journeying through life, a really important thing because we've all got weaknesses. We've all got weaknesses and we always will, okay? But there's a secret to living with weakness because, again, human nature, media talks about if you haven't arrived, you're not gonna be happy. But I wanna encourage you in the midst of traveling and journeying through life with affliction. With everything, weakness, vulnerability happening, there's a great scripture in Philippians 4.12 from the NIV version that says this, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him that strengthens me. Our lives are not perfect. But do you know, in the midst of our imperfection, we can live a contented life? And that is a real big key to living a happy life, a contented life. You know, it says in the Bible in Timothy, I forgot it. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, there are people that are are running after Jesus. They're godly. We've all got, you know, you say yes to Jesus, it makes you godly straight away. But that verse says godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, there are people who love Jesus with all their heart, but they strive. And in the striving, they lose their contentment. God does not want you living discontented, living unhappy. If you go back to Philippians, the first verse that I read, Paul actually says, I have learned the secret of being content. Contentment isn't something that floats on you and just drapes you and then, bam, I'm content." No, it says, I have learned to be content. You know, we in our lives, as we're living out our lives, don't discredit yourself. I've talked about it. But make sure that we are living a life that isn't searching for tomorrow, that it's robbing the joy for today. Contentment is a major factor in the Christian life. And it's something that Jesus wants us to have. He does not want to have discontented godly Christians. Otherwise, he would have said it. He would have said godliness with discontentment is great gain. But he doesn't. He said, no, godliness with contentment is great gain. He wants you and I to live contented lives. Paul says, I have learned to be up and I've learnt to be down. I, I, I know what it's like to be up and I know what it's like to be down, but in the midst of it all, I can be contented in the up times and in the downtimes, I can be hungry or I can be full, but I will still leave a contented life because contentment is not based on your circumstances. It's based on a mind that has chosen to be contented. And if you're here today and you say, Faye, I do not know how to be contented, I want to live the Christian godly life, but if I'm honest, I look at my life and I'm not contented, I'm not happy, then I've just got three scriptures that I want to encourage you with that I believe unlock the secret to godly contentment the first one is found in first Thessalonians Thessalonians 5:18 And it says this, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Can I encourage you today, every day you wake up and start giving thanks. You're not giving thanks for the things that are happening to you, but you're giving thanks in the things that are happening to you because you are focusing your attention, not on where you're at, but you're focusing your attention on the God that created the heavens and the earth. You know, something gets unlocked when we choose to give thanks. When we choose to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, thank you that you are with me today. And Lord, I know whatever this day may bring, I am thankful that you are here with me. You are the captain of my ship. And I am so thankful that I do not walk on my own today. But I walk with the creator of the universe. So that is one key for for contentment. The second one is found in Philippians two. 14. Do everything without grumbling <laughs> or arguing. It kind of doesn't come naturally to human beings, okay? It's like, to ask me to sit and eat chocolate, there'll be a smile on my face. Ask me to do the housework, and like, pout. You know, I can't help it, I'm pouting. But in contentment the key to contentment is when you get asked to do something or even when after you have to do whatever you've got to do in life just do it without grumbling and complaining make a choice and say do you know what i am not going to utter a grumble i am not going to utter a complaint you know i think in western culture if you listen to the way we talk grumble 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 oh i haven't got this oh i haven't got that oh this oh that oh the weather's not right oh my car this and we get so caught up with the language of our culture that we take ourselves down by our own words if we would choose to follow what the word of God say and say I refuse, I am going to exercise self-control on this little thing read James, it talks about the tongue being like this this whole the ability, is it the udder? not the udder, it's not the udder that's a cow (laughs) the udder of a ship I was going to say but there is not an udder on a ship what is that thing called? Rudder! I messed up the r out my rudder and ended up with a cow thing that makes milk. Anyway. (laughs) So anyway. You remember it now. But James talks about the mouth being like a rudder on the ship. A huge ship gets controlled by a little piece of equipment. This can do a lot for you you can succeed with this or you can fail and a great secret to the contentment of a happy heart is to choose to control this and refuse to allow grumbling and complaining to come from it and the final thing is psalm 34 verse 1 we sang it we've declared it i will praise the lord at all times his I will constantly speak of his praises. Another version says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually on my lips. If we will choose to give thanks, if we will continually praise, and if we will zip it, we can really begin to unlock the keys to a life that's contented in Jesus. A life that looks and says, do you know what? In the midst of vulnerability, in the midst of weakness... I know that I can do all things that strengthens me. I know that he can take my life and he can make something beautiful from it. So to encourage you today, if you're in this place and you feel weak and you feel vulnerable and maybe you've just been feeding a bit too much on what this culture wants to feed you, just encourage you that Jesus wants to use you as you are vulnerability and weakness it makes no difference it actually is very it's um, attractive it's attractive because we, you're humble you can't be proud as you're beginning to display your scars the world is filled with so many proud people proud of them own selves You know, Jesus doesn't want that. He wants us to be lowly of mind. So encourage you today. There's a place for you and his family. He wants to use you. He wants to use you in our church. He wants to use you in your workplace, in your college, with your friends. He's not looking for the show home house. He's just looking for the person that says, Jesus, I haven't got it together. But if you can do anything with my life, please do it. That's all he's looking for. And then as we get ourselves over that, just encourage you. He wants us to live a contented life. A life where you're happy, not necessarily with circumstances, but you've learned the secrets of contentment. You've learned that when we focus our attention on heaven, we thank God for who he is and what he's done. We praise him for who he is. And we choose to decide to keep our mouth shut from grumbling and complaining. Our lives, you'll see, your life will, will, will just feel like, I don't know what the word is, sparky. You know, it's just like There's a spark. There's a contentment. You know, if you're in this place today, you could be here for the first time. Or maybe you've been here lots of times before. But you've never actually taken the step to say, Jesus, I need you to be the captain of my life. I need you to be the one that will come and take the brokenness of my life and use it for, your, for whatever you want to do. You know, if you're in this place today and you say, my life, it feels empty. There's something missing. I want to invite you to meet my best friend. He's the one that's never left me in the midst of anything he's been there with me and if you were to look around everybody here today there would be scores of people that could encourage you to say do you know what I said yes to Jesus and he took my life and he's transformed it so if you're here right now I'm going to ask everybody in this place just to close their eyes and if you're here and you say Faye I need I need Jesus. Then repeat this prayer after me and say, Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for me. Thank you that your love for me was so great that you endured death. And Jesus, today I ask you to become the captain in my life I ask you to come into my heart I want to change and I know that only you can change me you know if if you found yourself praying that prayer just to help us understand I know who has done that if I could ask you to raise your hand right now and we've got some team members that would love to chat with you We've got a Bible that we would love to give you that just helps you. So if you're here right now and you want to ask Jesus into your heart, lift your hand and one of the team will see it. Yeah, there's some people. You know, and if you're in this place today and you say, Faye, what you said, I've accepted Jesus into my heart, but I felt that almost... I wasn't quite good enough for the family. Can I encourage you? You are so good enough for the family. And if you're here today and you say, Faye, maybe I I only do attend church because I don't feel that what I have to give is enough. Why don't you take the first step today? Go and visit somebody on our connection point and say, I want to get involved. How can I help? And you know, you'll be amazed when we plug you into a team, you meet new people, you'll be amazed how you watch how God will just do stuff. He does stuff, his way of doing things, not our ways, I don't even know how he does it, but he just does stuff within us.